You know, being in God's will doesn't deliver us from trials and problems. The pathway of obedience is a pathway of a lot of trials, a lot of opposition. Things don't go right when you're in the path of obedience. Looks like they would, don't it, Jack? But God has a purpose in it. I thought about this woman that's given a testimony about came her time she said her favorite scripture was and it came to pass and the preacher didn't understand that questioned about it she said well I'm I'm so thankful it didn't come to stay it just came to pass and and all these things that are happening now to the church here I I look at your budget there and you're $113 in the hole and then I said and all this dirt and all this stuff out there and all it all come to pass, like Jack says. And let's pray the Lord would enable us to worship Him this morning. And get our thoughts off of the things of the world and, and look look to Him. Amen. Look at the look in your Bibles to the book of Ruth, page three hundred and seventy-three. Three hundred and seventy-three. Sometimes it's hard to find it. Three hundred and seventy-three. Now I want to read the first, first two scriptures in this about verse one and two. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went out to sojourn in the land of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the na man was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. Let me stop there a minute. Now, this, this little town of Bethlehem has a real significance to us because we know that our Lord Jesus Christ was born in the town of Bethlehem, of Judah. Now, what does Judah have to do with it? Well, Judah is a kingly tribe, and uh, Jacob had prophesied concerning one of his sons. One of his 12 sons was named Judah. And he, he said this, Jacob is Israel. His name is Israel. He said in Genesis, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall be the gathering of the people. He's making a prophecy concerning Shiloh, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, coming from the line of the tribe of Judah. And I read in the New Testament that when Herod asked the people and the chief priests and the scribes where Christ should be born, they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judah, for this is, for thus it is written by the prophets, and thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not thou least among the princes of, of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. So these are things that had to come to pass. Christ had to be born in Bethlehem. He had to be born of the tribe of Judah, of the lineage of Judah. And even we have the genealogy of Christ that's that's uh, what had to be. He had to be born 
of uh, the tribe of Judah, and he had to be born to the um, of Mary, the virgin, and she was of the tribe of Judah, of the house of David. Now, in the book of Ruth here, we have a lot of examples to show us how the providence of God works in his elect people and how that God worked in, in the lives of two ladies, two women, to bring about his purpose. How they were brought into a place of suffering, and yet it was a place of blessing, and how God blessed them. And this book of Ruth is a heart-rendering book. For someone that has any spiritual conception or perception at all, he can't read the book of Ruth without being touched. Sometimes it even brings tears to your eyes as you read the book of Ruth. The Spirit of God enlightening our minds to help us see past this book and see God working in our own lives. It brings us to, uh, to tears many times as we read this book of Ruth. It's a happy ending. This book has a happy ending. I like stories with a happy ending. But in reality, what happens in this book, these blessings upon these women, they're eternal. They never end. And God's, uh, the, God's elect, his blessings are eternal, and they never end. I was asked by someone one time who read this book, he said, what in the world is this book doing in the Bible? He didn't understand why the book of Ruth was doing in the, what it was doing in the Bible. And uh, maybe you've read the book of Ruth and maybe you don't see the significance of it. But the theme of this book, the book of Ruth has a theme. And it's the same thing, see, it's the same theme that God's saints in heaven are gonna sing about and they, oh, we also sing about it here on earth. In Revelations 5, 9, it says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation. So that's, that's uh, the theme song of this book is the kinsman redeemer. It's all about redemption. And it's a typical thing, a prophetic thing of what Christ did on Calvary. Christ was our kinsman redeemer. It says in Galatians 4, 4, but when the fullness of time was come, according to God's prophecies, according to his own timetable, it says, God sent forth his son, made of woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now, what does this redemption mean? The only way a person can be saved is they gotta be redeemed because the law has a claim on us and we're under the condemnation of the holy law of God and we gotta be redeemed out of that. Now, God sent forth his son into the world to be our redeemer and to redeem us from our sins. And this book was a, pro a prophetic book that sets forth in type exactly what our Lord Jesus Christ did when he came here on earth. And as we study it, we can identify with these two ladies. We can, we can identify with them and, and we can understand some of the dealings of God in our lives. How he brought us to the feet of our Redeemer. And may the Lord help us to, to uh, 
get a blessing from this. And this book, even though it was written thousands years or more than a thousand years before Christ, it still applies to God's elect today, just like it it was uh, concerning these two women and their relationship before Israel and before the the law and bef and their redemption. Now, what happened in the case of Elimelech? Now, Elimelech was a husband of a, of a, of Naomi, and they lived in a place of blessings in Bethlehem, the, the house of breads. They were Elimelech was a son of Abraham. Now, he didn't have the faith of Abraham. If he had had the faith of Abraham, he wouldn't have sold his heritage and moved off down to Moab. Moab was a wicked town. The Moabites were the descendants of Lot, and the curse of God was upon that town. But uh, Elimelech didn't have the faith of Abraham. He was just the son of Abraham. A lot, a lot of children maybe are raised up in a church where their the mother and their father are believers. And maybe they might think, well, I'm, I believe just like they do. But I tell you, God's going to prove it. He's going to prove our faith. He's going to try our faith, what we say we believe. It's easy to say something. But God's going to prove it. And he's going to manifest those that are of the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Elimelech, he's, he mortgaged his heritage there because of the famine in the land. There's a famine today in this land from the, not from bread, but from the word of God, the gospel preaching. And I'm going to try to preach the gospel from the scriptures. That's what Paul told Timothy, preach the word. And the only way you can preach the word is to preach Christ. And that's what I'm preaching. I'm preaching from the scriptures. This is the word. And it's talking about Abimelech, a man that he didn't, he didn't appreciate the promises of God. He didn't go through the trials and he sold his birthright and he went off to, down to the land of Moab he thought well I'll go down there and I'll make a little money and I'll sojourn there for a little while and I'll come back pay off my debt and we'll live on easy street and uh, I imagine Naomi was went right along with him she said well I, I, I've been wanting to have a new car and I, I wanted a lot of fix up the house and everything and she was probably the one that had, had, in a way, had encouraged him in all of this. Well, they went off down to the land of Moab. I see this happen a lot. People leave the gospel, leave the gospel where they're hearing the word of God preached, and they go off looking, looking for other things, have their sights on other things. They're not looking to God's promises. They're not looking to the hope of the gospel that's in Christ. It says over in Judges, over the last chapter, last verse, in those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That would give you an idea of the condition of things during that time. And they were just doing what was right in their own eyes. We can't follow what we think, what's right in their own eyes. We've got to follow God's word. And the trials are going to try that. And they failed the test, and they went off down to Moab. But the sad, sad part about it is he took his wife, he took his two sons, 
And they died down there in the land of Moab. He probably worked himself to death. He's probably working two jobs. And uh, I'm just, I'm just paraphrasing, just thinking he probably had two jobs going there, and uh, and he worked himself to death. And he said it came to pass that he died. Elimelech and his two sons married Moabitess women, and the two sons died. And it left Ruth and the two women. They were without husbands. They were in poverty. And it says, both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Her two sons died and her husband died in verse 5. And then she heard something from her hometown in Bethlehem of Judah. She heard some good news. She heard that God had visited his people and had given them a good harvest. So she decided to go back to Bethlehem's. And her two daughters-in-law wanted to go with her, but she persuaded one of them to turn back. Her name was Orpha. She told them, turn, turn back and go back to your own people. But Ruth wouldn't be turned. She wouldn't be, her, her mind was made up. She was committed. Now you've heard this old expression, I've made up my mind. Well, there is a making up. God works in us to will and do his good pleasure, but we're going to have to believe. We're going to have to commit. He's not going to commit for us. We have to commit. Paul said, I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. He says, I've committed it unto him against that day. There's got to be a commitment. And uh, Ruth claved to her mother-in-law. Now, we have a type here in the Old Testament of Ruth and Naomi representing the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is made of the Gentiles and made of the Jews, the elect of God among the Jews and the elect of God among the Gentiles, united in one faith and one hope. That's what, that's what uh, this is prophetic of that. Uh, listen to verse 14. Now, most of the time, you, uh, uh, you only hear in a wedding, verses 16 and 17, where it says, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to turn from falling after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Now, the most most uh, uh, people that have heard about the book of Ruth is what they hear in a wedding, and a lot of weddings use this text here. And that's about all that's known about the book of Ruth. But the book of Ruth is so full of, uh, of truths concerning God's elect people, how he deals with them, how he brings them to the feet of the Redeemer, how the church is one in Christ, whether they be Jews or Gentiles. It's all prophetic there. This book is something else, isn't it? It's God's word. It's eternal. But Ruth said in verse 14, but Ruth clave unto her, unto her mother-in-law. Now, Psalm 65, 4, David said, 
Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee. That's what we're going to see in this book as we study it. God had chosen these two women. He chose them, and he caused them to approach unto the, their Redeemer in this book. And they, these women are going to make up the lineage of the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. This could not be broken, could not be broken, yet God is going to bring it all to pass. Now here she is. She, Naomi can't have a husband. And here Ruth is a Moabitess woman. The curse of God is upon her. And yet she's united in the same hope and faith of Naomi and the God of Israel, Jehovah God, the only true God. And um, it says, Paul talks about, talks about this in uh, Ephesians. He talks about the mystery that was hidden in times past, but is now made known by the, by the Spirit of God, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. And on down in verse 4, there's one body. There's not two churches. There's one body, one church. Christ has one church and one spirit. Even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one God, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. That's whether they be of the Old Testament or the New Testament, whether it be Jew or Gentiles. They're just one body in Christ, one spirit, one God and Father of all. And that's what we see. See in Naomi. Some people think, well, the people in the Old Testament are saved under the law, under a different dispensation, and they're going to have a different place, you know. And then there's the New Testament saints, and they they're the Church of Christ, and it's they're saved. It's in a different situation, different dispensation. It's just one one body, it's one spirit, it's one faith, it's one God, and that's what this is illustrating here. And the only way we're going to be saved is in our Redeemer. And there's just one Redeemer. Yeah. And I, I, I pray the Lord would make this uh, understandable. Now, another thing I see in this book, that Ruth had decided to go back. She claved to her mother-in-law. Her mother-in-law wanted to go back to where God was blessing in Bethlehem. And uh, it says in verse 19, so they, they too went until they came to Bethlehem. They went back to Bethlehem, and when they got there, someone saw Naomi. She's, and they said, is this Naomi? Could this be Naomi? They recognized her, but they wasn't sure because she was an old woman. And she probably, when she went out, she was a beautiful woman. And she came back an old woman before time. That's what sin does. You can see that in the, in the lives of... Oh, we're all going to die. We're all full of sin. We're on our way to the grave if the Lord don't come back and redeem his old bodies. But I tell you, in the, past, the way of the transgressor is hard. It's hard. 
The way of the believer is hard, but I don't want to be in the way of the transgressors. And all to those that leave the gospel, go after some set of sights on something else. I tell you, it's, it's, it may be like being in the frying pan in God's will, but you jump out of that frying pan and you jump right in the fire. I'd rather be in the frying pan of testing than to jump right in the flames. But they went back to Bethlehem and they saw Naomi and they said, could this be Naomi? And she said in verse 20, call me not Naomi, call me Mara or bitter. Don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. She says the, Al the Almighty had dealt very bitterly with me. Now conviction is not a pleasant thing. God's work in our hearts bringing us to our emptiness of ourself and to tear down all our our false hopes, it, 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 is, it is grievous, isn't it, Jack? Yeah, I mean, it brings you down. But it's a blessed thing. It may be bitter in the, in the mud, but in the fruitation, it's, it's, it's glorious. But he brings all of his people down in conviction. And uh, Naomi here has experienced that. She, this is the way he's bringing her back. She says, the Almighty had dealt with me bitterly. She thought it was a bitter dealings. It's not bitter, it's just right. Somebody say, well, that's hard. That's not hard, that's just true. The wages of sin is death. The way of the transgressor is hard. It's not being mean, it's just true. And the Almighty had dealt with her bitterly because she was on her way to hell in rebellion, and he's bringing her into bring her into the pathway of, uh, of the Redeemer. She says in verse 21, I went out full and the Lord had brought me home again empty. That's the way God brings us to himself. He, I, I talked about the blessed man, blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto, unto thee that he may dwell in thy courts. So that's a blessed thing when God chooses us and brings us and but he brings us by by taking away all our false hopes she went away full she of her own ideas and she came back empty she says why call me pleasant seeing the lord has testified against me and the almighty hath afflicted me now, it came to pass that they, they came, on, came back to Bethlehem at the time of the beginning of the barley harvest. Um, but they, had, they were brought back. In John 6, 45, our Lord says, They shall be all taught of God, every man that therefore that hath learned of the Father cometh to me. That's the way God brings us to him. We're taught of God. We're taught the, taught the wages of sin. We're taught the way of the transgressor's heart. And we learn of the Father, of our emptiness. And all that, the, all that they shall all be taught of God, every man therefore that hath learned of the Father cometh to me. That's what the Lord said. And he also said in verse 
21, 22, uh, no man can come to me except the Spirit draw him. I'm trying to quote something and I can't quote it, but uh, anyway, let me go on. But now in, in chapter 2 of Ruth, I'm going to have to hurry to get down to the, I, I consider it probably the, the main part in this book. But in chapter 2, it says, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mad, mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. Now this man, Boaz, is the principal and chief character in the story. He's the kinsman redeemer. He's the one that is in line to redeem. Now they didn't know whether he had the will or the desire to redeem and probably Naomi only knew of him but wasn't acquainted with him enough to know whether he would be even want to redeem but she had in line there she had a, a kinsman who had the power to redeem and he was in the lineage to redeem and that's the reason Christ had to come into this world that he might be made flesh he was born of Abraham's seed he was of the tribe of Judah and of the lineage of David. He was in the lineage there. And he, in the fullness of time, he was made flesh that he might redeem us from our sins. Now, that's what she had there in the town of Bethlehem. And that's what the providence of God is bringing them back to, see. And in verse 2, it says that when they got back, everybody was reaping the fields, the barley fields. And I can imagine they had those fields divided up in sections. I can remember in Alabama as a young boy how they had the fields marked off and each family had a plot of ground that they were working on. I can remember planting some popcorn in the field where, my, where we were working on as a young boy. But each family had a different field, a lot of fields. Mr. Eubanks had, had let us use some land there is a government housing project, and he just let us use 100 acres and divided it up in plots. Well, they came back to the Bethlehem, and there's all the neighbors and friends, everyone is out reaping. And Naomi and Ruth, they didn't have anything to eat, the poor. And Ruth told Naomi, said, let me go out and glean in the fields behind the reapers. Now, that was the law of Israel that the poor people could glean in the fields behind the reapers and pick up what, what fell by accident. And her mother-in-law said, go ahead, my daughter. And verse three, and she went out and came and gleaned in the field of the reapers, uh, after the reapers, and her hap was to light on the part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. Now, this is a wonderful thing here. You can see it. There was a lot of fields there. She didn't know where she was going. She was a stranger. She went out there, and it says her hat was she got on the field of Boaz. And there's no accidents with God. And we can identify with that if we see God brings his elect to Christ. She thought it was just an accident. Her hat was to land on the field of Boaz. There was a lot of fields, but there was just one field that had a redeemer in it. 
There's a lot of churches around here. You could have went to any of them. But all of them are not preaching the Redeemer. And I may the Lord help us to get to the part about the Redeemer, what the Redeemer did, who the Redeemer is. And it's no accident if God brings you encounter with the Redeemer. And it's going to be through the Word, through the preaching of this Word, through foolishness of preaching. That's what God's going to use. He's not going to use an angel. Maybe, the, maybe I'm talking to someone that's already gone through some things. It's providentially just brought them down. That could be God. It could be God working in you, bringing you to, to the feet of the Redeemer. And if it is, it's the, bless, the best thing that ever happened in your life. And that this Ruth, she, she happened to land, land on the field of Boaz. I can identify with that and thank God for his mercy. I wasn't looking for him, but in his providence, the grace, he brought me to Christ. Well, uh, it says that Boaz came out to check on his reap, reapers out there, and he came out to the field. In verse 5, and he, he said, Then said Boaz unto his servants that were set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? He looked out there, and he saw Ruth. And he set his eyes on Ruth. I tell you, he said it. She didn't know him, but he set his eyes on Ruth. He had heard something, he heard something about Ruth. If you read on down, he's, he tells her later on, he says uh, in verse 11, Boy has answered and said unto her, It hath fully been shown me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. And have you left your kindred and you've come to a land that's strange to you and you trusted unto the Lord of Israel? the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. He knew about that. And he, he set his eyes on her and he asked, who is that? And they said, that's, that's Ruth. He told him, he said, now none of you boys, don't you mess with her. There's a little love affair going on here. He said, don't you touch her. And you're going to have to answer to me if you touch her. You, you can apply that to us. You know, God said, uh, the scripture says that if he that touches one of his elect, it's like touching the apple of his eye. And you know what you do if somebody sticks their finger up to your eyeball? <laughs> now, he told him, he said, don't you touch her. And, and then uh, I imagine he said, she's mine. You just leave her alone, boys. I, I can't imagine, but I just like to think about how it was. And Boaz, uh, then he went over and spoke to Ruth. He spoke to her. He told him also, he said, I said, uh, you, uh, I want you to let some handfuls on purpose fall in her pathway. And when she gathers them up, don't you say a word to her. And then he went over and talked to Ruth. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes behold be on the field that, that they do reap, and go thou after them. He told her, Now don't you go to any other field. 
he said, he called her my daughter. He spoke to her heart. And he said, I've charged them not to touch you. And he said, when you get thirsty, you go over drinking uh, at the chuck wagon and get the water that the boys have drawn. And, but said, you stay in this field. Well, then she was overcome. She was just overcome by this. She didn't know him, but he knew her, and he loved her. And he had already <clears throat> made provisions there, and she was overcome at this. And if you apply that to our own selves, isn't it amazing that God could love us? You know, he's, Jeremiah said, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. God set his eyes on, on you before the foundation of the world. Now, there's not any reason within us for that. It's all according to the good pleasure of his will, that he's chosen to have mercy on whom he'll have mercy, and he's going to He's going to have mercy, and nobody's going to stay his hand. And that person doesn't even know it. But yet he, he speaks to them in mercy. He speaks to a heart. Through the gospel, God speaks to our hearts through the Holy Spirit taking this word. He speaks to our heart. She fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground. She was humbled before him. We can identify with that if we know the Lord. He's bringing us to Christ. And he brings us the same way, the same path. It's the same grace that works in all of his elect. He told Ruth, said, now, now you come over when mealtime and you eat with me. He gave her some parts of corn and, and he just really, the courtship going home on here. Well, the, uh, after that day's harvest, she, uh, Ruth went home with a big sack of grain. And she got to her mother-in-law, wherever she was, probably out under a shade tree someplace. They didn't have a house to go to. She came in with that big sack of corn, and she said, Daughter, where in the world have you been today? What in the world have you been doing? Where'd you get that corn? Whose field were you gleaning in? She said, I was gleaning in the field of a man named Boaz. Well, when Naomi heard this, she just began to shout. She said, well, bless the Lord. Said, he's, he's a near kinsman, one that can redeem us. And he knew, she knew that Ruth had found favor in his eyes. And he, he, she told her, now, Ruth, don't you go to any other field now. Some good-looking boy with another field over there said, try to make some offers. You Don't you go over there. You stay right in that field because he's the kinsman. He's the only one that can redeem us. There might be one over there that's real handsome and real smooth, slick tongue, but don't go over there. He said, you stay right there in the field of Boaz. And so and Boaz told her to stay there. Now, if we got an interest in, in being redeemed, we better stay with the gospel of the Redeemer. And because uh, he's the only one that can redeem us. Well, Ruth did just that. She was obedient because faith is virtuous. A saving faith is virtuous. There's no such thing as a saving faith that's not alive and virtuous. A virtuous faith is a faith 
that perseveres and obeys. Now, we're not saved because of our faith. It's through faith. It's the work of God. It's the gift of God in the hearts of his elect. But this faith of Ruth is the faith of God's elect. And she obeyed. And she stayed in the field of Boaz until the end of the harvest. And at the end of the harvest, it says in, says in chapter 3 that uh, Naomi was seeking the redemption of her soul and also redemption of uh, a redemption of her situation and also the redemption for Ruth. So he told she told her. She said, "Now tonight the men are they've already harvested the grain and they're down on the threshing floor and they're winning the grain. They're throwing it up in the air and letting us." wind blow the shaft away I said they're having a big party down there they're gonna they're gonna when they get through they're gonna eat and they're gonna drink wine and they're gonna get sleep and they're gonna lay down so now you go in there and wash yourself she says that in verse 3 wash thyself therefore and anoint thee and put on thy raiment raiment upon thee and get thee down to the floor of the Thracian floor she said, but now you get down there and you don't make yourself known. You spot out the place where Boaz lays down to sleep. And when it gets dark, you go in where he is and uncover his feet and lay right down at his feet. That's what Naomi told Ruth to do. And that's what Ruth did. She put on some perfume and some deodorant and washed her hair and clothes. And she went down there and she watched and when Boaz lay down to sleep. He probably had a good jug of wine and just, just he just out like a light. And uh, Ruth slipped down there under the cover of darkness and she raised up his cover off his feet and lay right down there at his feet. Now what's she doing? She's obeying. She's submitting. She's committing. She lay right down at his feet. And he never woke up. But in the middle of the night, he suddenly woke, and there was a woman laying at his feet. That's what the story tells us. It's not a story. It's an actual happening. And he woke up and said, Who are you? And she said, She said, I'm Ruth. He said, You're a near kinsman. And said, Spread thou, therefore thy skirt over, me, over thine handmaiden, for thou art a near kinsman. Now, he, she wanted him to perform the part of a near kinsman. And he said, uh, he said, blessed are you of the Lord. said, I've heard, I said, everyone knows in the town, everybody knows that you're a virtuous woman. Now, what's he talking about? She was a widow woman. He's not talking about a physical virtue. He's talking about a virtue of her faith. Virtue means the value of something. Add to your faith virtue. You know, it's uh, not just words. Works. Faith without works is dead. And she had proved that her faith was virtuous. She's a virtuous woman in her faith. In her, she, she claims to Naomi, and she's obeyed, and now here she is at the foot of a, of a kinsman redeemer, said, uh, and faith and confidence. And that's what the Word of God teaches all of God's elect to do. By faith, 
to submit and put ourselves by faith at the feet of our Redeemer is to bow before Him. Submit. <clears throat> As Ruth was told to lay at His feet in obedience and faith, the Word teaches us to lay down at our Redeemer's feet and look only to Him for redemption and to rest in His promise. Now, He said... Uh, he said, now, everybody knows it's your versus woman. He said, now, I, I'm going to fulfill the part of a kinsman redeemer, but I've got to deal with another fella. There's someone that has a prior claim on you. And I'm going to deal with him first thing in the morning. But said, now, you lay down here and wait. And he swore to her. He said, as the Lord liveth, lie down until morning. And she lay at his feet until morning. He's, he's under oath. He swore to her. And all the promises of God in Christ are sworn, aren't they? Yes and amen. But anyway, she lay at his feet, and early before it got daylight, they awoke, and he sent her back to her mother-in-law. He was going to take care of that kinsman that had a prior claim on her. And he gave her three measures of barley as a, as a token of his promise. And the mother-in-law, when she saw that token, she was she knew that he he's gonna fulfill his word. You know, you know. Uh, now this is talking about those that are, already know the Lord. But we we're gonna be redeemed in these bodies one of these days. We're we're saved now. Those that know the Lord by what He did on Calvary, we're redeemed. But the redemption of these bodies is not yet until Christ comes. But he's given us the earnest of the Spirit, as it says in Ephesians, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So just as Naomi was given that token, the Holy Spirit has been given to everyone that got believers as a token of our redemption uh, we've been purchased by the blood of Christ now here Naomi has the promises of Boaz and he she has that token there and Ruth says now you just lay down the rest daughter said now he's not he's not going to stop until he's completed what he, he said he's going to do and um, sit still my daughter until thou know how the matter will fall for the man will not be in rest until he he has finished the thing this day. Now, this is just a picture or a shatter or a type of what Christ did finish on Calvary. And, uh, and I'll show you in chapter 4, through the type, you can see and understand what Christ did on Calvary. We can think about it meditate on it. Now, early in the morning, Boaz went to the city gates and called the elders and he, he waited to this person that had the prior claim on, on them, who was a kinsman that had that prior claim on, on Ruth and Naomi to, to play the part of her kinsman redeemer. And he called him over there. He said, hold such a one, come here. He called him such a one. Turn aside and sit down here. And he turned aside and came over and sat down. And then he called 10 men 
to come and set. They were men of Israel. They were setting something up here in public. They wanted it to be public and before the law to establish a testimony in Israel. He called ten men. Kind of like the Ten Commandments, isn't it? Well, uh, then Boaz told him this, such a one, the situation, and he said, now tell me if you're going to redeem or not. If you're going to take the place and perform the part of a kinsman redeemer, do it. But such a one said, he thought about it at first, and then he changed his mind. He said in verse 6, and the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. So this such a one is, is like any man apart from Christ, any son of Adam under the law, we cannot redeem ourselves. There's only one man that was born under the law that can redeem us. The law can't save us. The law can only condemn us. But there's one man that's born under the law. He's the second man, the second Adam. And he's our kinsman redeemer that can redeem. And he not only has the power to redeem and the place to redeem as our kinsman, but he has the will to redeem. And this, such a one, he said, no, I can't. That reminds me of the scripture. But Paul says about the law. For what the law could not do in that it was weak in the flesh... God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. So the law couldn't do it. The law can't redeem. The law can't save. But God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and condemned sin in the flesh of his son. Now God doesn't justify our sins. He condemns our sins. God justifies his elect, Amen. but he doesn't justify their sins. He condemns our sins in the person of his son. That's where he condemns our sins. He don't justify our sins. And the law could not save. And this kinsman under the law there, that such a one, he couldn't. He had marred his own inheritance. But boy, as could. Boaz said, therefore, Boaz made testimony to all Israel. Therefore, the kinsman said unto Boaz, buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe, and Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was his family, children's sons, and Ruth and Naomi. He redeemed them. He redeemed them. Well, that such a one had to take off his shoe and give it to boys as a testimony. Now, when Christ died on Calvary, it wasn't something done in the corner. He set a testimony before angels and before the world that God might be just and the justifier of his people. And what the law couldn't do, God didn't, God didn't bring down the demands of the law. He fulfilled the law in the condemning our sins in, the, in his son. Boaz had the power to redeem. He had the will to redeem. 
and he had the love to redeem. And he redeemed and he received Ruth. She became his wife. He received Naomi. He bought back all that they had lost. And she had a son. And Naomi was nursemaid to the son. And they put the name on the son, Obed. And it says, Boaz begot Obed. And Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David. Now this had to come to pass. Because if you read the genealogy of Christ, there's only three women in the genealogy of Christ, Tamar, um, uh, Rahab, and Ruth. And those, uh, those had to become a pass. All this had to come to pass. It was God's providence working in his people, bringing them to the feet of the Redeemer. Isn't that what the Lord has done for you? And if you don't know the Lord, could be that your help was as you lied on the place where you hear the message of the Redeemer. And the Redeemer has come. And he paid a ransom that truly redeems. And he has the power to redeem. And he has the love to redeem. And he has the will to redeem. i tell you what I'd do. If I wasn't at his feet already and hope. I would, I would run as fast as I could, lay down at his feet. How are you going to lay at his feet? Well, lay down in faith in this word before his promises. Look only to him. Don't look to any other place. If God has spoken to your heart, stay right there in that field where God has spoken to your heart through his word. Don't go off seeking some other experience. Commit. Commit to this word. Commit to the Christ of this word. That's commitment. When the trials come, just keep committing more. That's where they just there's a lot of religion, but there's just one redeemer. And this this word here is sure and his promises in Christ are yes and amen. And he's not a weak savior that wants to do something he can't do it. He did it. And uh, he receives us unto himself. Lord bless you.